in Exodus 14, verse 13, as I mentioned this morning, sort of the, the verse for the day. Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. And I sort of had three points, all beginning with W. We looked at a couple this morning. Uh, wait and watch. And this evening's is wonder. Because particularly the, the second part of this uh, 14th chapter of Exodus indeed speaks of the, the wonders of God. Uh, and we, we sort of read it, didn't we, as we went through the passage. Uh, we see uh, the wonders of God with the, the daylight and the, the darkness and the light and the advance of the Egyptian army, Pharaoh and his army. And then the as they went into the well, it was dry, dry land at the start. You know, the Lord had done a wonderful uh, work and uh, drying up the, the Red Sea. It was dry for the people of Israel uh, to cross. And then the Egyptians thought they could do the same. And we, we read of their chariot wheels uh, really finding it difficult to progress and then the return of the waters. Uh, and we sort of read about that. And we see, don't we, well, this is the wonder of God very much in, in this that we, we see in those verses in Exodus chapter 14. In the next chapter, Exodus 15, uh, verse 10, it says, Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. And whenever I sort of think of that verse, it reminds me, in 1988, it was the 400th anniversary of the defeat of the Spanish Armada. And at the time, I was in Portsmouth, and the church I was going there, uh, the pastor had these little stickers that you can put on envelopes and letters, and it had those words on it. It was a commemoration of the defeat of the Spanish Armada. Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them. And so it is here we have in our reading and concerning the, uh, the Egyptians and Pharaoh and his mighty army. Numbers 23, 23 says, Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, What hath God Wrought. And when we look at this passage, 
we sort of are amazed at what God did. And those words from Numbers 23, 23, what have God wrought, were the first words that were sent in Morse code back in 1844 by Samuel Morse, the U.S. inventor. They were the first words that were sent in Morse code. What hath God wrought? And then when we think of creation, Psalm 8, 3 and 4, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, and there's billions of stars, isn't there, which thou hast ordained, what is man, that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Why do you worry about man when there's the creation around us in the, in the mountains and the seas and, and even in just in the tiniest insect, the minutest of insects and, and how uh, they are made up. But of course, uh, we are special, aren't we, in God's creation? even though we admire what God has created. What did God say in Genesis 1.26? God said, let us make man in our image, the triune God, sort of in conversation. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Yes. Made in the image of God, after our likeness. Psalm 139, 14 says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. There's been a lot of, many sort of clips that come up on my phone, mainly from America. And it's sort of hot topic today, isn't it? And there was discussions going on with people and certain people were very intelligent people were asked the question, what is a woman? And these so-called intelligent people were not able to give an answer to what a woman was. It's very much hot topic at the moment, isn't it? But Genesis 2, 21 to 23 says, The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone, bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. 
And these people that try and answer the question, they, well, they don't say anything like that at all. And it's very sad that we sort of have come to that stage, really, and people can't define a simple thing, a glorious thing. What is a woman? But men and women created in the image of God, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. In Psalm 107, verse 8, there it says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And that's repeated several times, about four times, in that psalm. And it's good, isn't it, for us to, to praise God for his goodness and for his wonderful works. And we, we see wonderful works in creation. We see wonderful uh, works in providence. And of course, we see wonderful works and the goodness of God in salvation, in redemption. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? The one that we should behold and, and may the Lord sort of help us to love him more and to, and to, to realize more and more just what he has done for us in suffering and dying for his people. Now, I heard this last week. I was listening to a, a sermon last week, and this uh, example, uh, this story was given. It goes back to Victorian times when two American visitors were over in London. And they were curious to hear certain preachers. And I guess there is still that today, isn't there? Uh, sometimes, you know, we're, we're curious about a certain... Oh, yes, it'd be... Oh, I'd like to hear him, or I'm not quite so worried about hearing him. And I guess we all sort of have uh, our favorite preachers. And so it was then with these American visitors coming over to London. And on one Lord's Day morning, they went to the city temple and they heard Joseph Parker preach. And the two men afterwards came to this conclusion, what a wonderful preacher was this man. What a wonderful preacher. Oh, he was so good. What a wonderful preacher. In the evening, they went to the Metropolitan Tabernacle to hear Charles Spurgeon. Same visitors, they went there in the evening. And in a very subdued way, afterwards, they said, after hearing Charles Spurgeon, what a wonderful Christ. What a wonderful saviour. And that's, that's how it should be, isn't it? You know? Yes, it, it's nice to, for a preacher to be thanked or, or whatever. <laughs> I was preaching once at uh, 
not so long ago in, in Brixton Tabernacle. I don't go there very often. I've only been there a couple of times, and I had to smile when uh, one person there said that I was an amazing preacher. I've never, <laughs> no one has ever said that to me before and probably never will again. I had to smile. But it's not about the preacher, but it's about what's preached and the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as those American visitors said after hearing Spurgeon, what a wonderful Christ, what a wonderful Savior that we have. And that's it, isn't it? What do we think of Christ? The scripture, what think ye of Christ? That's an important question, isn't it? Yeah. And do we, do we know him? Are we, do we know the salvation that he gives? Do we know that we are held deserving sinners? Do we know that he is the only savior for men and women? The Lord Jesus Christ who lived and died uh, for his people. He had to live that was active obedience and he lived a perfect life. And then the passive obedience was his suffering and his death. If in any way the Lord had sinned, just in the minutest of ways, it would have disqualified him from being the Savior. But what a, a Savior he is, and untainted in every way, and, and we have that too uh, with his birth as well. But it's good, isn't it, perhaps to look back in life and to say, yeah, God has been, been good. Yes, if we have known, if we are saved, then we say, we look back and say, it was wonderful how I was converted. And some people are perhaps dramatically converted. Others, not so. As we have in Acts, we have about Lydia, whose heart the Lord opened. And then we have the Philippian jailer. You know, that was more dramatic, and obviously with Paul as well. But still saved, weren't they? They all, even though it was sort of different circumstances and in a different way. And I don't know about you here and your experiences of conversion and of the Lord. But can we say for sure, yes, I know that I am a, a sinner. I know that I can't save myself. I know that the only way to be saved, to be forgiven, to be accepted with God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And also, perhaps sometimes we, we wonder at God how he has perhaps provided for us and worked in providence in our lives and, and see how God has been so good uh, in sort of more practical things or everyday things of life. And just a personal example from when I, uh, this was back in 1990, and I, it was a provision of work uh, for me. It was a wonderful way in which it came about. 
I got sort of qualifications. I'd got a, a degree, and it's in statistics, uh, if you're interested in, in that. And there was a meeting that was, I didn't have a job in line with the qualifications at the time, but there was a meeting uh, that I noticed that I could go to. I didn't have a lot of money, but this meeting was free. And it was in London. It was in Knightsbridge. It was very near to Harrods. And I remember going to this uh, meeting for statisticians, and it was way over my head. You know, all these ones who were giving their talks, it was way over my head. You know, I, I just got a degree in, and I got no experience. And, you know, it was just way out, I was way out of it. But I was sitting there at the back, sort of out of harm's way. And this gentleman came in. It was a big room. And he came in and he sat next to me. He could have sat anywhere. He could have sat over the other side of the room. He could have sat at the front. It was a big, big enough room, plenty of chairs, he could have sat anywhere. But it was though, though the Lord had, that was an appointment from the Lord that he should go, go to the meeting, sit next to me, we got talking in the interval, and then it led to, to me getting work, which I, uh, which I had for a number of years up in, in, in battle, nearby battle. And it was, I've, I've never forgotten the wonderful way of providence, the wonderful way that God, and this man wasn't a Christian, so God, it's not just, you know, God can lead, lead us and, and use those who aren't even Christians too in our lives. Uh, and, you know, God, God is in control of all, all things, and that was a wonderful provision. And the one thing I never wanted to leave that company in the end they closed the office so I had to leave then but I never wanted to leave and why? because of the way that God had given me that job in the first place in that remarkable way it wasn't, any, it wasn't luck at all it was of the work of God completely and it's stuck with me all the time I was there, and I've never forgotten it. And maybe there are things that have happened in our lives, uh, not necessarily a, a spiritual thing or a church thing, and we say, yeah, God, God wonderfully provided, or God wonderfully intervened there in that situation. In Job 37, 14, it says, Hearken unto this, O Job. Stand still. We had about stand still this morning. And consider the wondrous works of God. And that's it, isn't it? We see the wonderful work of God in creation and in providence and in redemption. And these things should thrill our hearts and give us joy. Even though we go through tough times, and we all go through tough times at, at certain points in our lives, the Christian life is not a bed of roses. 
but it's a wonderful life for those who know that they are sinners saved by the grace of God, to, to know that we are forgiven, to know that we have peace with God, to know that, you know, even if, if this night our life would be required of, yes, I know that I will then be with the Lord and forever with the Lord. I have no fear of that. And, and that's wonderful, isn't it, to have that sweet, sweet sort of assurance and calmness. As I say, stand still. As we said this morning about being still, which gives the, gives the impression of, of being content and being just satisfied and, and not being troubled or alarmed. As I say, often when we are alarmed and frantic, then we're pacing around. But may we know something of the, the blessed assurance that the Lord is ours and that he is sovereign. And we, li- we look at the world and all that's going on and perhaps many things alarm us with what's going on. And more and more, the, the hatred of, of God and people don't want, we will not have God to reign over us. And every man doing what's right in his own eyes. It says that in Judges. It says that in Judges, and it's so true today, isn't it? Every man doing what is right in his own eyes. But let's, let's have our focus, our, our eyes, our hearts upon the Lord. The God who is immortal, invisible, only wise as we sung at the beginning, the God who is great, and as I say, we can't describe how great he is. And, you know, that is my sort of prayer for myself and for you, that we may know something more of the greatness of God and the wonder of salvation and something more of what the Savior went through. You know, the, the sufferings and the pain that he endured and, the, and the, the ridicule and the false accusations and everything. I mean, if we were in that situation, we wouldn't cope. You know, we, we read, don't we, in Isaiah 53 there, uh, of the suffering of... Uh, the, the Lamb, the suffering of the Saviour there in, in prophecy. Uh, and they're so familiar words there in, in Isaiah 53. And, it's, and there's an emphasis in that of he was and he is. He is despised and rejected of men. Man of sorrow is acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, 
yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. He made his grave with the wicked, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. You know, it's a tremendous chapter there, isn't it? Uh, prophesying our Lord's suffering, the suffering servant. And may it be that we know that the Lord Jesus suffered and died in our place and that through his life, through his death, and then his glorious resurrection and knowing forgiveness of our sins and peace with God to come through him, that when we leave this world that we shall be forever with the Lord and that will be uh, indeed paradise as the dying thief was promised that day today thou shalt be with me in paradise so may it be that we know something of the wonder of God uh, in, in our lives in, in perhaps in sort of material everyday ways as well as, of course, knowing for sure the wonder of salvation and say, yes, the Lord loves me and I love him too. Uh, I don't love him as well as I should, but he has set his love upon me and I want to serve him. Man's chief end, isn't it, uh, to glorify God that we might then enjoy him forever. May that be so with us, that here we glorify God that we may then, by his grace, enjoy him forever. And all the people of God uh, will be able to... to what, what, a, what a sight that will, what a wonderful sight that will be when all the redeemed are in an unsinning state. They're in glory one day, seeing worthy is the lamb that was slain. And may the Lord bless to us these few thoughts and may we know something more of the wonder uh, of God and, and, and we should not neglect so great salvation as we uh, are told it's a great salvation and let's not ignore it let's not reject it at all and may we know that we are saved by the Lord we are sinners saved by grace. And the Lord bless to us his word. Amen. Let's sing in conclusion our final hymn. 106. Great God of wonders, all thy ways are matchless, godlike and divine, but the fair glories of thy grace more godlike and unrivaled shine. Who is a pardoning God like thee? Or who has grace so rich and free? 106.
Christ dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen.